This is the Final Whistle podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team. Final score, Wrexham nil, Chesterfield nil, and I think we should probably take that, in all honesty. A game between two sides in the playoff place is a big match, and I would say Chesterfield had the better of it, really, but we defended pretty solidly, didn't have enough really in the final third, and I think we should take another clean sheet and uh, and move on because the fact of the matter is that we've got a nicer run in it looks like on paper at least than a lot of the teams around us and so we didn't lose and that's key didn't make enough chances to feel we should have won either which is disappointing but you know we've been spoiled over the last two matches haven't we <coughs> Dean Cates made two interesting changes considering those last two results Rob Lainton came back in to replace Christian Dublin goal and out of the back Theo Vassell returned at the expense of Mark Carrington and to be honest we didn't really start all that well Chesterfield lost the last two games but they're a decent side and they've got they've got plenty of backing shall we say um, I was doing the stats beforehand and since James Rowe came in as manager in November they've brought in 20 players now Having the luxury to do that when we haven't feels cruel, but that's not their fault. That's just a situation that we happen to be in. Um, maybe we might view slightly differently the fact that they've brought in a number of players after furloughing some of their players. In fact, they've brought in seven since furloughing them, including Adi Yusuf. And that does not look so good, does it, really? Um if they were just furloughing them, fair enough. But to furlough and then bring seven players in rather implies that that's playing the system, not trying to get support in a time of financial crisis. Anyway, the most recent of those, Danny Rowe, a striker, any National League fan of the last years I'd love to have in their side, was making his debut for Chesterfield. And he and Mitchell linked up very nicely in the early stages of the match. In fact, in the sixth minute... Rowe might have come up with a very early assist and of some quality, picking the ball up on the in the left pocket and dinking a lovely little reverse ball over the top. Wrexham were not happy the move had gone that far. It seemed that Jordan Davis had been fouled in the build-up, but Rowe's pass was beautiful to Mitchell. He sprinted onto it and then hit the deck, claiming that Sean Pearson had grabbed him and pulled him down. It was an embarrassing attempt to win a penalty. And it was disappointing, frankly, that Simon Mather didn't book him for it. <clears throat> I've got to say that was my impression looking at it with a naked eye. And having seen the replay on the video, it was much worse than I thought it was. A clear dive, runs across Pearson, and then he would have got it onto it one-on-one -on -one with Lainton with the tight angle and chose to hit the deck instead. It was silly. Already Mather had uh, shown that he wasn't going to officiate the match in, well, shall we say, according to the rules, although certainly... It, to be fair to him, according to how referees seem to apply those rules, by not booking anybody early on in the second minute, Rowe, the first act in the Chesterfield shirt, was to go in really late on Vassal. It was an unpleasant challenge going through his ankle. A yellow card any day of the week, but because it was in the second minute, the referee barely spoke to him. Astonishing refereeing, although a lot of referees do that bizarrely. First 20 minutes, you can do what you want, can't you? Because there's no fans in the ground, it was brilliant to be sitting there and hear Sean Pearson run up to him furious and then shout at Mather oh well 
Does that mean we can all have a free hit then? <laughs> so I would get a free hit actually in the second half. More of that later. But anyway, <clears throat> Wrexham had to survive a, a fair amount of pressure in the early stages. They first threatened just after 10 minutes had gone. Davis put a glorious pass to put Angus in on the right channel, or so he thought. Maguire brilliantly got back to put it behind for a corner. It was excellent covering by Harry Maguire's younger brothers. I'm sure he's sick of hearing everyone say. And then from the corner, Chesterfield had a moment. Smith catching the ball and then kicking really intelligently down the left-hand side. Again, Mitchell was after it. Leanton did ever so well to come out of the box and just beat Mitchell to it and get rid. And Chesterfield continued to be the better side. When they next threatened, it was a great chance. The ball again dinked in nicely by Rowe. And Mitchell running down that left channel, one-on-one with Leighton. This time he decided not to fall over. Tight angle. He hit it back across Leighton. Leighton did very well. He came out to make himself big. But he also twitched his arms up and his left arm made contact. The ball span up. Sean Pearson ran back on the line just to make sure it didn't spin back off the turf and in uh, before clearing it away. And within a minute, Wrexham had their best chance of the match. It's time Hall Johnson, having thrown in a long throw first and got it back to him, swept in a nasty cross to the near post of his left foot. Onatayo did well to get across his man. Didn't get much contact on it six yards out, though. And Grant Smith did really well at his near post to come across and get a block on it. And then, while he was on his knees, to stretch upwards and push it round the post for the corner. There wasn't much else that went on in the second, in the first half, to be honest. Wrexham had a... Oh, I don't know. A sniff of a chance is the best you can say. The ball driven into the box. Omatayo laid it off and found Angus one-on-one with the keeper. I've got to say, again, to the naked eye, look well offside. Actually, he wasn't. The right back was too deep and had played him on. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, Noataya was standing about two yards away from Angus and drilled it at him. And it, Angus had no chance to control it. Just bounced off him and the chance was gone. The second half saw Chesterfield go a little more direct. And although I would say their build-up play wasn't as attractive, they were much more threatening. And Wrexham were very lucky, really, to get through the first 20 minutes of the second half without going behind. Firstly, it was Mitchell. After again, Wrexham felt there'd been a foul in the build-up, uh, picking the ball up and from 20 yards out, drilling a powerful shot. But Leighton got right behind her. It was too straight down the middle and he held it comfortably. Then Taylor, who increasingly the ex-Chester left-back was causing problems coming forwards did well to latch onto the ball and sweep in after dribbling into the box a lovely cross of the far post Rowe was attacking it Lainton had been taken out of the equation by the cross Vassell did brilliantly to get across get a header on it and clear the danger then came Vassell's free hit his revenge free hit, if you will. He went in, studs up really on Clark and very late, right through him, definite yellow card. Referee decided to even it up and not give a yellow card. The free kick was right of centre and a good 30 yards out. But as we know, Danny Rowe is able to hit those. And he drilled this into the goal mouth. Nobody could get a touch and it went wide of the far post. But still, the pressure continues. A lot of this pressure was linked to the fact that for the first time, Carline started to use his long throw. Coming across the left-hand side, he's playing as a right wing-back and slinging the ball flat and nastily into the near post. One of those came, was intercepted and cleared back to him by Omatayo. 
he volleyed it back in. You know, when you, when you see people volleying crosses in, they usually flash across. It looks spectacular, but nobody can get anywhere near them. But this one picked out Taylor at the far post. A glorious touch by Taylor, although Rexham felt he'd use his arm. I don't think so. And from a very tight angle, he flipped it over Lainton. Now, credit to Lainton. I thought he'd got a hand to it at the time. Looking at the replays, not quite. I think it just was out of his reach. But typically, Lainton very quick off his line, forcing Taylor to try and lift it. And Taylor got too much on it. The ball hit the bar and dropped down. Kerr, the centre-back, was there, six yards out. Great opportunity at the far post. He drilled it, but Vassell did fantastically well to spread himself, block it on the line. Wrexham had to make a change, and Jay Harris was the obvious alteration to make. He came on at 25 minutes left, replacing record. He had to be treated for uh, an injury after a collision. A blow to Wrexham to lose record, who was very impressive, actually, on the left-hand side. So he came off. Jordan Davis went to left wing back. Harris in the middle. And Harris had an immediate impact, winning the ball, driving the ball forward and passing to the edge of the area. In fact, within a minute of him coming on, Wrexham had their best moments of the second half. Harris intercepting sharply in the halfway line, drilling the ball forwards. Defender headed it away, but Rutherford did ever so well to stretch about 25 yards out and keep the danger alive. Got a head onto it and knocked it back into the goal mouth. Omatayo attacking it with Fraser Kerr. Managed to get over the top of him and head it towards goal. Couldn't get on top of it enough and it went over. Decent opportunistic effort by Omatayo. And the danger was gone. But Wrexham, four minutes later, again went close. This would have been a fluke, though. Uh, Wrexham's set pieces weren't as good as usual. Uh, but this one was a good one from Young, left-hand side. Swept into the near post. Davis flicked it on into the goal mouth. It was cleared, but was worked back out to Young on the left flank. And he swept in across, which... Frankly, it wasn't a good one. It was straight down the keeper's throat. But Iriva hit a divot on the edge of the six-yard box, or Young had put a hell of a lot of spin on it, I think probably the former, and it hopped horribly. So from being a simple tape for Smith under his bar, he suddenly had to backpedal and tip it over. A decent save by the keeper. Wrexham made another attacking change. Poor Keanu Marsh-Brown had been standing on the side of the pitch for about five minutes in his kit, waiting to be brought on. Finally, he was brought on for Angus and he was lively and had an impact as Harris did but having said that it was Chesterfield who by far looked the more likely to get a winning goal they made a double change at the same time as Mars Brown coming on and within four minutes the two substitutes combined nicely Whelan who was very impressive after coming off the bench um, breaking and feeding the other substitutes the veteran Nathan Tyson who drilled a, a terrific 25 yarder really no, no real warning it was flying inside the right post and one of those lovely strikes that's just starting to lift as it goes. Excellent strong wrist by Lainton who dived across to his left and managed to get his palms to it and push it away towards the corner flag. A really good save. And then with four minutes left, again, those two prominent. This time, Wrexham with a free kick into the box. It was cleared. Young had an awkward one to try and control. Lost it to Whelan, who... Skipped past him. Wrexham then shouted for a throw-in. Uh, the ball went close to going out, but I pr it didn't. Whelan did well to keep it in. Accelerated down the line. Beat Jay Harris's challenge as well as he tore down the flank. And then a lovely move, a, a, a sharp awareness of where players were to open Wrexham up. He squared it inside nicely to Rowe, who on the edge of the area played a perfect first-time ball inside. Tyson was all on his own around the penalty spot. Burry hits the, the shot powerfully but straight. Lainton stood up well and was able to save. 
fairly comfortably. Uh, ironically, I think the swift movement of the ball, wheeling to row to Tyson, was what opened Wrexham up, but perhaps was also what made Tyson miss it, because he was as caught out by it as the Wrexham defenders were. Within a minute, Wrexham had a, a weird moment that, I've got to be honest, having looked at the footage, the, the more you look at it, it was a really good chance. Three minutes left, and Harris, after a, a free kick had been cleared to him, did really well to bring it down. He stood the ball up into the box, and, well, I couldn't understand quite why so much space suddenly opened up. Having looked at the footage, I know now, um, Kerr, the centre-back, was under the ball, it was his ball, he lost it in the sun. He suddenly raised up his hands, shielded his eyes, lost it completely, and the ball carried through to Pearson, who was on his own about seven yards out, and really bad, badly mishit his volley. It just trickled to the keeper. It was a good chance, actually. Um, I think it may be that Pearson <laughs> just didn't expect it to come through to him, didn't expect Kerr to suddenly just essentially step forward and out of the challenge. And maybe he was caught in two minds as well because he had enough time. He's probably thinking I was a challenge for a header, suddenly finds himself with a volley on and actually, frankly, had enough time to bring the ball down and just finish. So a, a missed opportunity that, although I feel a bit sorry for Pearson in a way because he just didn't see it coming. And then he made amends, great amends, with the last chance of the match. Third minute of added time, Taylor continuing to be threatening. This time he got the ball because Pearson made a mistake. First real mistake he made in the match. Uh, a long ball over the top. Pearson didn't get much on his clearance and just poked it square uh, to Taylor. I think to be fair to Pearson, Kelleher was running back to try and help and was essentially running straight at Pearson. And I think Pearson was conscious that if he just got a proper contact on his clearance, he might hit it onto Kelleher and it could rebound anywhere. Taylor picks her up on the left-hand side and he swept a brilliant cross and again cutting Leanton out and Tyson diving at the far post looked like he was going to head it into an empty net. Bearing in mind our last three trips to Chesterfield have ended up with us conceding injury time goals which have cost us points. This would have really hurt. But Pearson made brilliant amends. He turned, got back into the goal mouth, <clears throat> jumped into Tyson legally he might have just got a tiniest of touch onto it, but either way, he definitely knocked Tyson off balance, and Tyson in front of an open goal couldn't make a proper contact and headed it wide. And that was that, a nil-nil draw. Wrexham didn't have the better of it, but they didn't lose, and I think that's that's useful, to be frank. Wrexham stay in the playoff spots. When you look at the performances, sound performances on the whole, hmm. beg your pardon, Rob Linton made a couple of good stops, Justified being brought back in. By the way, record-breaking day in terms of clean sheets. Leighton has now gone to fifth place, believe it or not, in the all-time list of Wrexham goalkeepers in terms of clean sheets. <clears throat> in terms of goals conceded per game, by the way, he's actually gone up to second of all time. And also, his clean sheet means that for the first time in our history, we've got more than one goalkeeper who's kept eight or more clean sheets each. So, <laughs> one for the Stato fans there. Um, he, he did. He had a solid game. The centre-backs, well, again, were sound. Kelleher in this right-sided centre-back role uh, did nothing wrong. Won a number of good headers and was physical, as you all expect. Pearson was good again in the centre of the three. Looked very impressive, very aggressive, trying to drive forwards. And man of the match for me and for Che Long, who was commentating with me by a distance, 
Theo Vassal, who from the very start was looking impressive, coming across and, and in, in the second minute to make, win an important header under his bar from a dangerous cross. And he continued to make those sorts of interceptions throughout the match. A terrific, towering performance by Vassal. Very, very impressive. On the wings, well, you know, how many times do we say that when two sides have wing-backs, <laughs> look at the positions of those wing-backs and you'll see how the game's going. Paul Johnson and record just didn't get forward as much as they normally do. Now, Chesterfield often use George Carline, their right wing-back, as an outball. He's very good in the air. They stand at diagonals for him. Record was outstanding in defending against him. So he didn't get forwards all that much records, but he defended superbly against Carline, who caused him no trouble at all. Records absolutely dominated him in the air. It was a shame to see him go off injured. Hull Johnson had more problems with Taylor. Um, ironically enough, it was more when he failed to engage with Taylor. When, they, when Taylor ran at him, generally, Hull Johnson stopped him. And although Hull Johnson got forwards more than records, Generally, Taylor stopped him as well. But when Hall Johnson allowed a little bit of space, Taylor was quick to latch onto it and he delivered a real quality into the box. So both wing backs solid enough. In the centre of midfield, I've got to say that Young and Rutherford's endeavour, we know they are terrific workers, was massively impressive. And when we were under pressure, the number of interceptions, the number of times they got back to block off passing lanes was impressive. Rutherford actually was our most dangerous player in terms of transition, uh, the, the sort of thing Davis has been doing in the last couple of matches. A couple of times he, he drove through the centre and set up a counter-attack. A couple of other times he showed terrific pace and energy to be tearing through the middle unmarked. Unfortunately, the, the players getting the ball, the most notable example of this was early in the second half, uh, and it was Angus, just didn't have the scope to be able to turn see him and play him in but Rutherford was always threatening with that forward driving movement plus he did well to keep that chance alive that Amatayo headed over young as well like I said uh, typical energy Davis was quieter than he has been well obviously for the last two games but he was a little quieter things didn't quite go his way he had a couple of early shots which he didn't get hold of to be fair the first one which he had which was very early on the ball took a horrible bobble as he hit it um, but yeah, he wasn't able to make that much threat. He did have that flick header from the corner. He did solidly enough at left wing back. Carline was able to beat him a couple of times in the air, but he, he wasn't really too troubled. So yeah, it was a solid game for him. And up front, the strikers didn't quite make the right impact. But I won a fair few challenges in the air, um, threw himself about a bit. Was unlucky when that touch by him was saved. As Andy Morrell said in the commentary of the stream, Having got there six yards out, he needed to either hit it much better or maybe miss it completely. Um, but he, he put himself about, but he wasn't able to get a huge amount of impact. And Angus, yeah, didn't really manage to get into the game properly. We didn't give him much to run on to. We don't really knock the balls from the chase around the back of the defence anyway. And it didn't pan out for him. As for the two subs, Harris was excellent. 25 minutes, and he, he did improve us in the second half. Like I said, uh, we were heading for... Uh, conceding a goal when he came on we, we had a poor 20 odd minutes at the start of the second half and uh, he, he rectified that made it a lot harder for them to get through the middle of us and as for Marsh Brown uh, he looked lively I was impressed with him he did have a nice burst forward in the very last minute of the 90 and drove a shot which was on target but was comfortably blocked 
and he looked pretty lively. He was trying to run at people, trying to run in behind, and he did freshen things up a little bit. Uh, there was another opportunity, I forgot to say, quite late on, when Hall Johnson played the ball forwards, took a deflection, and again, Rutherford just getting forwards into good positions and chasing everything, was round the back of the fence, but it wasn't the best cross by him. He just lofted it over the keeper into the goal mouth and picked out a defender. Davis was attacking the far post. Omatayo had made a run to the near. He didn't, really, he didn't really pick anybody out, which was a shame. Uh, so, yeah, it was... We were second best, I would say, for good chunks of the game. But we defended pretty well. And, you know, really there was that moment when they hit the bar. The good one-on-ones here by Lington with a big chance of the Chesterfield. I wouldn't say there were any others. It's a clean sheet. It's another point. We're still in the playoffs. And we've got, like I said, a run-in with more home games and away games. And not many games against teams at the top end. So, hopefully... We can build on this while the other teams at the top have got tough fixtures coming up. I'm surprised I've managed to talk about this game for as long as I have, because to be honest with you, I didn't think there was much going on. And I also have to be honest with you, I this is my second take. I actually did one in the ground and then found I hadn't plugged the microphone in properly and it didn't record the audio. What an idiot. That one was quite short. I've expanded on it a bit more now anyway. So, the final score... Wrexham nil, Chesterfield nil. I'm Mark Griffiths from the Wrexham AFC media team. This is the Final Whistle Podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team.